Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Cindy Crow, elder, lodgekeeper, author, is a band member of the Red Rock Indian Band located an hour east of Thunder Bay, Ontario. Since 1994, Cindy has been bridging gaps between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people and communities. Cindy's life purpose is to share a message of love and interconnectedness, and she creates space for change in many different venues with people from all walks of life. She believes in leading by example. Personally, she is the grateful mom of five adult children and three grandchildren. Since 2004, Cindy's business, Cindy Crow Consulting, has represented an award-winning Anishinaabe consulting firm with her expertise in community liaison, community engagement, and community development. Since 2005, Cindy has been the executive director for the Traditional Teaching Lodge, operating as the Blue Sky Community Healing Center, that is an Indigenous community-led organization based in Nibing, Ontario. Cindy respectfully acknowledges that sacred space as being within the traditional territory of the Fort William First Nation and loves to welcome people to the land of her ancestors next to the shores of Lake Superior. Cindy's seasonal tourism business, Nibing Tribal Tours, Nibing is the summer in Ojibwe, provides opportunities for her visitors to reconnect with Mother Earth while participating in the Anishinaabe culture through land-based experiential learning. Cindy's identity and purpose coaching business is for clients looking to reclaim their roots, understand themselves better, and identify their life purpose. Part of this coaching 
is delivered through animal spirit guide workshops to better understand messaging from their guides. Cindy is the author of Walking with Grey Wolf, which honors her first vision and the spiritual journey she has been on since then. She is currently writing her second book entitled All My Relations. This episode is longer than usual, but it was difficult to cut any more from our fascinating conversation. Okay, Cindy, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? I'm in the most beautiful place every time I think about it. I, I don't know how to label this land or how to describe it sometimes. It's just so special. But yeah, I'm on the western side of Lake Superior. I'm just south of Thunder Bay. I'm just north of the Minnesota border. I'm about 10 kilometers from the Minnesota border. And I'm in a little place. It's called Niebing, N-E-E-B-I-N-G. And I'll share a little story about that afterwards. But yeah, so Niebing um, has a population of about 2,000 people. And we're spread across a very (laughs) large area. And yeah, I live in the bush. I'm I'm in the bush. I'm completely surrounded by nature. It doesn't matter which window I look out of. That's what I see. And it's a glorious, glorious place to live. And I've been here about four and a half years. I feel like I've been here always. And I feel so connected to this land. It's just so special. I love it so much. So yeah, can you tell I'm a little passionate about the land? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you that it is very infectious and very contagious, uh, that love for the nature. You can hear it in your voice. And I can almost imagine being at, at your window looking out. And um, you mentioned to me just before we came on um, that about watching the goslings from your window and, and and the family and just the I think the pace of life takes on a whole new meaning uh, when you're that close to nature. So how has your professional and maybe personal life together uh, evolved to what you're doing now? Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Um, I am definitely a late bloomer. I had a breakdown in 2004. So I call it a breakdown. It was actually a breakthrough, but they call it a breakdown. And I was hospitalized. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me ever. Because until then, I listened to what everybody else told me to be doing or expecting or anticipating. And after that point, You know, the universe slowed me down enough that I had no choice but to start listening to myself. And it was a very odd, odd thing for me. I had never done that before. It was absolutely amazing. I think, you know, we hear these stories about how, well, if we don't listen to the first whispers, you know, the universe starts getting a little bit louder and a little bit louder. So obviously... (laughs) I hadn't been listening up until (laughs) that point. And so the universe really needed to shake me up in order for me to stop what I was doing and truly begin listening. So that was in early 2004. And since that time, I have been on this amazing spiritual journey with many what people might describe as metaphysical experiences 
And each one provides me with a confidence and guidance. It's like a compass for me. It leads me to to what my next steps are. And somehow along this journey, I've switched from, well, I shouldn't say I've switched, but in, 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 in tune with what I'm doing for myself and the listening that I'm doing for myself and my own personal spiritual journey. Now I'm also helping others with, with their journey. And, and that began right after that experience and has, and has continued on. So, you know, up until that time, I hadn't really had a chance to acknowledge my Anishinaabe ancestry. And that was part of that voice inside of me, helping me with my identity, who I am, what is my role here? Why did I come to earth at this time? Did I come to earth to suffer through what I suffered through as a child and as a youth and as a young adult? Possibly that was that needed to be part of the journey so that I could truly help others now. But yeah, so my personal life and my professional life, I, I remember thinking about that, I don't know how many years ago and thinking, wow, there is no difference between my spiritual role mm. and my professional role now. I can talk about things with ease. If people, you know, take issue to some of the things that I'm saying, I don't take it personally. And, you know, I can, I can move on because I am channeling spirit most of the time. I don't realize it. It's just happening. It's probably happening right now. And, you know, that's, that's how I live. So yeah, there really isn't any distinction between my personal life and my professional life. And there hasn't been for quite some time. Was there a catalyst that brought on that breakthrough? Was there a straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, uh, some monumental life experience that, that led to that breakthrough? You know, that's a really interesting question. I, I remember at the time thinking that it was because of a, a breakup with a partner. But I realized afterwards that, yeah, perhaps, perhaps that was a catalyst. But I remember just before I was hospitalized, when I was, and I was driving during this experience, when I was driving on the road, the thought that, that, that was in my head was, I was thinking about my youngest daughter. She was still very young. And I was working on the reserve, so I was heading to the reserve. It was early. She would be walking to school on her own, and I was always a little bit concerned about her. And so I remember I was getting worked up about that. And I was also getting worked up about this job mm -hmm. that I had. So the job that I had was with Indian Affairs, funny enough. And I mm -hmm. felt very uh, helpless with that position because I had these gifts. I knew I had gifts, but I couldn't help people because of the 
bureaucracy of that particular institution. So, you know, people wouldn't let me call the communities and offer support or offer help. They would say, no, 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 that's not your job. And so in my head, as I'm driving, I'm worrying about my daughter. I'm thinking about this job that I feel like my hands are tied. And yeah, I just got myself worked up into this state that I was having, I don't know, it must have been some kind of a severe anxiety attack. And by the time that I arrived at the hospital, you know, I'm quite sure they thought I was having a heart attack because of because of my symptoms. And I remember saying to the doctor, no, it's not my physical heart. It's my emotional heart. Imagine that I didn't know anything about anything, but I did understand that, that that was why I was there. And yeah, he said to me, he said, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to be keeping you. And then going through that whole scenario with, you know, because I had younger children at home, the native children's aid version uh, organization was going to, you know, take my children because I was being hospitalized. And so, yeah, I had to make arrangements with my father. And anyways, it was it was just a really traumatizing experience and, you know, it really set me off. However, as I know now, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I think it's it's really critical to be someone in, in a helping profession as yourself to be vulnerable and for you to be open about telling your own story. I mean, I think a lot of people are hesitant to do that, but it is part of your work and it is, I think it builds trust. Uh, and, and to hear you speak of an incident that other people in society may view as a setback, quote unquote, it is something that you consider a beginning and an opportunity. And I think that the vulnerability that you had to show to look deep inside is critical and necessary. And so you know then when you work with folks that that, that is one of the key elements to breakthroughs with clients is their own vulnerability and and desire and openness to go deep inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, if 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 you'd asked me that same question, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I don't know how I would have answered. But I know now that it was vital. It was vital for me to have those experiences in order for me to be able to be at whatever level my client is at. So, you know, I've worked in places like you would call the hood or the, or the you know, right down on the street level with, with street people. I've worked in the jail system. I've worked in the forensic mental health at the hospital. I mean, I've been down and dirty with, uh, with individuals. And in order to be able to do that, yeah, I feel very strongly that, yes, we do need to share our vulnerability. I, I will promote that always because I believe in ceremonies like the sharing circle. 
And every time we share, whether it's in a confidential you know, venue or otherwise, every time we share, we lessen our burden a little bit more each time. And also when we're talking with others, you know, you get this opportunity. I call it debriefing or brainstorming because I love brainstorming with people. As long as I have one other individual to brainstorm with, that really does help me to bring spirit in and really get down to what it is that I need to do, whether I'm developing a program or doing a presentation or, or whatever it is, it's, it's important to bring all of those elements in. So yes, it is important in the work that I'm doing to be able to be vulnerable with people. And I remember in the beginning, people would say, oh, Cindy, I don't know if you should tell people that. That's kind of personal. <laughs> and, and at the time I would think, oh, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be sharing this. And so I would really do, you know, those reflections. But over and over again, spirit would have me sharing. And yes, I might make some people feel uncomfortable a little bit because I am being very vulnerable. But for the people in the room that need to hear that, then that's what I will continue to do. So I will listen to the guidance that I'm receiving from spirit. And if spirit says to me, you know, you need to talk about this, I talk about it. And I talk about it openly. I do try to protect or or care for, um, you know, and not reveal anything confidential. But yes, I will. I will share because it's my own experience. It and it's important to. It's important to share that. When you say spirit, who do you mean, and how do you tune into that? When was your first? kind of realization that that was your guiding light or your North Star? I remember my mom had asked me to pray for my younger sister. I don't remember any of the details. And I remember this was in my older house on Victoria Avenue. And I remember saying to my mom, I'm happy to do that, but I need to check in with her spirit first to see if that's okay. And as I started to go up the stairs, I received this feeling that went across my back, up my spine, over my shoulders, up my neck, up the back of my head. I can feel it now as I'm describing it to you. And I, because I was still on the phone with my mom and I said, oh, I think I just received my confirmation. And so that was the beginning for me of realizing that, yeah, that spirit was talking through me. I was receiving that guidance and somehow I was able to transfer that to the, to the people that I was, that I was working with or, or speaking with. And, and it's developed since then. And so I have signals that I will use. Uh, with spirit to let spirit know that I'm I'm ready, and so that could be uh, a lit candle, it could be a smudging ceremony, it could be a song, because it's all about feeling, right? It's all about our feelings, and so 
that's why, again, it's important to share, to share those feelings. But those are my signals. And it's not the first time somebody's asked me that question. The best way that I can describe it is that, you know, when when people suggest to us to get grounded, so that's part of it, right? Being grounded so that we are connected, we're, we're connected with all of the beings that are around, are around us. If I hold out my arms in a, like a wide embrace, I can feel those beings here with me. Because they, that's, again, that's another signal to spirit that I've, that I've been developing. That I, I want you here now to help me with, with this client. And so that's another signal. But the best way that I can describe it, because it is hard to describe, everyone has these abilities. Some people have them a little bit different than others. So some people may see things, maybe out of their peripheral vision. They may hear things. They may feel things. They may have uh, thoughts in their head. They could sense it in their heart. I kind of have all of those, but the one that I notice the most is the one that if I'm quiet and if I'm grounded, I'll receive a thought. It's a thought. And when and now I can recognize it. It's always very quiet. It's very subtle. But now I can recognize it. And when it comes through, I know I, I need to immediately tell the other person what just came through because my memory is not very good, or I'll write it down very quickly. And then I will (laughs) share it with the individual. Because what I've learned is that if I don't share it, I did actually experience physical pain from it in the beginning. So that was spirit training me that you need to share what I just shared with you. And so we have this you know, this ongoing flow now, and it's getting easier and easier for me. But yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I get goosebumps confirmation and shivers on my legs and my arms. Um, And for me, it's quietness too, but I've had to develop it, like you say, too. And now that I think back, maybe I was getting some pain because I was ignoring it too, or not, (laughs) not delivering. People listening who are entrepreneurs in maybe rural spaces or even bigger cities are listening and thinking, how do I find my purpose through feelings, quote unquote, you know, air quotes. What what does that have to do with my professional life? How do I... How do I let my feelings guide my professional life? And, And what would you say to that? So when those little thoughts or insights come to you, try to acknowledge them. Every time we acknowledge, honor, and respect those intuitions or those thoughts, we get a little bit better at receiving them. So it's important to acknowledge them. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples as an entrepreneur what's been happening to me. So I've had Cindy Crow Consulting since 2004. So since my breakthrough, I realized that I could not go back to that institution and work for that institution. I realized that that was choking me 
and not a good use of my gifts. So I started my own business. And then receiving visions. And that was how the Blue Sky Community Healing Center started, a charity. That was since 2005. And then a few years ago, Spirit said to me, now you need to start your tourism business. And it was literally the month before the pandemic broke out. And I'm like, all right, okay, so I'm trusting and I'm I'm going with it. And then at the beginning of last year, Spirit said, well, you've been providing names and providing clans and providing spiritual guidance for your clients through, through the teaching lodge. Now you need to start a business doing that. And I, and that, and to me, that was the craziest thing I had ever heard. But again, because I live this life this way and because I follow that guidance, I needed to trust in that and go with it. And the other thing that I think that's very important for other uh, potential entrepreneurs to think about is that it's all in divine timing. It's not our timing. It's divine timing. So maybe you're not happy with the things that the way that things are evolving. Well, then have a conversation with your spirit and make those changes. I recall asking spirit a few years ago that I wanted to adjust my contract a little bit. And I call it a contract because I believe that is what happens is that we sign a contract before we come to earth and we have agreed that this is what we want to do this time around. And I recall at the time saying to spirit that I couldn't handle the empathy part of my role in the way that it was happening because I was feeling the pain of the earth. I was feeling the pain of the animals. I was feeling the pain of other people and it was just never ending. It was agony. So I remember saying to spirit, okay, I need to adjust this part of my contract. I need, yes, I still need to be empathetic, but not to the degree that I'm experiencing right now. And so that was adjusted. And then last year, I remember saying to spirit, I need to change my mindset about money because I believe I had signed a scarcity contract because for so many lives, I've had this scarcity piece and I wanted to change that. I wanted to change that for myself and for my family. And so I've been, I've been working on that um, since then as well. So I think as entrepreneurs, it's vital that we're following that inner guidance. What about obstacles, Cindy? What, what kind of obstacles have you or challenges have you faced as an Indigenous woman, rural entrepreneur? Oh, dear. Whoops. Sorry. Oh, another, another sign. A dream catcher just fell off the window. <laughs> I have goosebumps um, all over me. I, I know. Ooh. It's amazing. We're getting some messages from Spirit here during our recording. Yeah, I would say my greatest obstacle is my human side or my ego, however you term it in your own your own terminology. And what I mean by that is, 
it's my own self, my own ego that will challenge me from time to time. So I tried explaining it to my son one day because I was I was really upset about something that had happened and I was upset with myself. And he was like, well, mom, you know, there was nothing you could do about it. You know, it's through no fault of your own. And I said, but yeah, but I said, it's my ego having a field day right now. And I describe it as, you know, those old Pac-Man games where the Pac-Man's got the mouth open and it's, it's nipping away at you. And I feel like that's what happens to me is that nipping, 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 nipping until I, until I realize it, acknowledge that. And then I will say to myself several times until I can have, until the moment passes that I choose love. I choose love. I choose love. And so I have to say that enough times to, to change my mind. And the other affirmation I'll say um, in a situation like that is that the universe is taking care of me because there's been so many times where I feel like I, I feel helpless. You know, maybe there's a situation with a grandchild or a child or a friend and I feel helpless. Maybe it's a financial situation and, and I'm feeling helpless. Whatever it is, I have to remind myself that, you know, creator, God, the universe, again, whatever terminology feels appropriate, that the universe is taking care of me. It always has and it always will. And so I have these affirmations around me. I've got it on my whiteboard. I've got it on my computer. And I will say those affirmations many times, as many times during the day as I need to, to remind myself. Because, yeah, those are my greatest obstacles. If I'm having a difficulty with something, I need to check in with myself and say, okay, is this coming from fear or is this coming from love? And usually when I'm doubting myself, it's because there's fear coming in. And the fear is simply the absence of love. It's not a bad thing. It's balance, mm -hmm. right? We, when we think about balance, that's, that's part of balance because we're spirits having a human experience. So, of course, we're going to have those challenges. But, yeah, I would have to say my greatest challenge is myself. <laughs> I can feel that viscerally and relate so closely to that myself. When you talk about balance, I know that the medicine wheel is very prominent in so many areas of Indigenous teaching and learning and balance. Can you explain how that plays into the work that you do? I would love to. Since learning the practices and the teachings and and as i learn more every single hour because i do learn more every single hour i've learned to incorporate the medicine wheel into everything that i do so whether it's a new program that i'm developing or a project that i'm working on if i'm doing training with with other staff that want to learn more about um, the Indigenous culture. Yeah, I incorporate the medicine wheel into so many things that I do. When I do 
reflection at the end of the year or at any given point during the year, I'm going to use the medicine wheel during that time as well. Because it's a great way to ensure that we're looking at our whole selves in order to encourage balance. I think it's almost impossible to have perfect balance while we're having a human experience. But maybe not. Maybe it is possible. And I and I strive for it, um, you know, all the time. I'm always looking at, yeah, how... How can I provide balance into my life? So something very simple. Let's think about some simple examples. Today, I took my dog for a really long walk, the longest walk he and I have had since we've lived here. And it was too far. It was too far. I realized on the way back that I overextended both of us. And so when we got back, you know, I made sure that we both hydrated ourselves and we had a rest. Now, the old Cindy would never have permitted that. I would have just kept on, I would have Mm. pushed myself through it. I would have forced myself to continue working. But this way of life, by listening to my body and listening to myself, it's much easier on me. And it's easier on my human side too. It's easier on my ego if I'm if I'm listening to myself better. So yeah, I love the medicine wheel. I love everything about it. And I do invite and encourage others to use it as well. Every time I do training, I will always do like a draft plan for them. That'll be the last thing that I'll do with them. And I'll illustrate to them how I use the medicine wheel. And so how can they use the medicine wheel within their own programs or projects, whatever they're working on. So yeah, I just love considering the whole, like considering our whole self. Can you explain what it means? Well, there's four different colors. What do those mean? In the beginning, I was very curious about that as well. And so of course, everyone has their own perspective and and they're looking at it through their own lens. So if you were to ask 100 different people the same question, I'm sure you're going to get 100 different answers. But for myself, when I think about the four colors, that's my work. My work is to is to bring all the four nations of the world together. So thinking about the politically correct terms, and I'm never sure which one is right at which time, um, but thinking about the Eastern people from Asia, so the yellow culture, thinking about the Caucasian culture or the white people. I'm never a big fan about that term. I'm not, I'm not great with that term. It doesn't feel right to me. So maybe we could say European people. Mm-hmm. So that would be the white culture. And then we would have the black culture, the people from Africa or other countries that have um, black people. And then the red culture being the indigenous culture. And so there's so many variations of indigenous people around the world. But my belief is that that's what those four colors signify. And every single group brings a gift and value to the circle. So that's my premise that I have for my coaching is that we're all part of the circle, every single one of us, whether it's a blade of grass, a little mouse, a tree, um, a person from another country, an animal, 
we all belong in the circle and we're all equal in the circle. So nobody is above or below anyone. And we all bring value and we all bring a gift to the circle. And so that's the uh, mm -hmm. foundation of, of how I live and how I share and how I provide uh, coaching services or training services is, is using that uh, using that philosophy. And so the way that uh, the Anishinaabe people follow it is they would, they would start in the east and then they would go down to the south and then the west and then the north. And it's interesting to me, it's always been interesting to me that the, that the northern quadrant is white because when I think of the north, you think of snow. <laughs> So it's always been interesting to me that yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's the uh, it's the northern quadrant, and there's so many teachings that go with um, with each of the quadrants. I would like to mention that within my um, coaching service, if you were to go to my website, I do have an example of the medicine wheel there on the packages tab to show you or to illustrate the work that I do and how I do it. And so in the East, it illustrates ceremony. And there's a variety of ceremonies mm -hmm. that I might have with you as, as, as a coach. And then in the South, it's your guides, your animal spirit guides, your clan. In the West, it's your identity. And your identity is everything, as I described earlier. I believe that it's, it's everything about us. And then in the north, it's purpose. You know, how, how do you honor your gifts? So once you have a better understanding of who you are and why you're here, which I, you know, which I shared earlier, that changed everything for me when I received my name. I received my first name in 2003 in my clan. And remember when I was talking about the breakthrough, when did that happen? That happened just after that. So, and then, and then I yeah. received a second name in 2004, but that, that changed my entire life. It changed everything. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started healing. <clears throat> and somebody asked me one day about my clan, which is caribou, the hoof clan. And somebody had asked me a question about the caribou one day and until that time, I had really struggled with depression, anxiety, you know, just general terrible mental health, mental health situations, including violence with my with my family. It was it was terrible. So thinking about thinking about all of that, somebody asked me one day, well, what is a caribou doing in the wintertime? And it was as if this huge light bulb went off in my head because I thought, wow. Right. A caribou in the wintertime, you know, they're trudging through the snow. They're, they're foraging for food. They're trying to survive the winter season. And so it made so much sense to me why I was having difficulty with my mental health, especially during the dark, dark season of the winter. And it was as if by mm. magic that mental health situation just started slowly falling off of me 
And it was almost, it almost happened overnight. So yeah, so I have a great belief and a very strong belief in helping people to, to realize their identity and to realize their purpose in life. Because yeah, it changed everything for me. And I, and I would want to help others to, to, to do that self-discovery as well. I'm fascinated by the spirit animals. How do you, I guess, connect someone with their spirit animal or of course I imagine they have to be open to it but how do you bring that into your work I guess yeah so it's an it's a really cool process it's very interesting they do need to be open to it right they need to be a little bit curious and ready to start having spiritual experiences they need to be ready for that because once you start to acknowledge your animal spirit guides and they come to us in many different forms. But once you start to acknowledge that, and as I was saying earlier, you know, through acknowledging our messages, honoring them and respecting them, what happens is, is then you get more of that coming to you. It's it's like uh, spirit realizes that you're ready and you start receiving more of those messages. And to begin with, yeah, I will introduce it in very uh, slow steps. I usually have workshops about animal spirit guides and, and there's three workshops in a row. And by the third one, you know, you're getting pretty good at, first of all, increasing your awareness. So in order to increase our awareness, we have to be grounded. So I do give you some different techniques to help you get grounded. And then it's about being observant. So journaling what you're seeing, journaling what you're experiencing and feeling. And through that journaling, you start to notice patterns. And also, I'll walk you through to see where are your spiritual gifts at? So, you know, is it sight? Is it uh, smell? Is it hearing things? Is it feeling things in your heart? Is it thoughts being planted in your head? What? Where are your gifts most powerful at? So it's just getting to know yourself a little bit better. And then finally, helping you with interpreting your messages. So the animal spirit guides are, are amazing because if you think about an animal, so let's, let's use um, an eagle as an example. So if we think about an eagle, a bald eagle to be specific, you know, what is the eagle's natural habitat? What are its practices? And those kinds of observations will help you with interpreting the messages from the eagle. And also the eagle is a totem or a representative of one of the seven grandfather teachings. And that particular teaching is about love. So I know for myself, whenever I see an eagle, if I think back and think about, okay, what was I just thinking about? That will provide me with confirmation. Usually, it's a confirmation of love or a confirmation of, yes, that is correct. Whatever question I was asking, it's it's confirming that response for me. The other thing the eagle encourages us to do is to have a broader perspective. So if you're anything like me, I've got tunnel vision so much because I'm, I'm focusing on whatever it is I'm doing in that moment. But the eagle is saying, no, 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 we need to step back. We need to get a broader perspective. And really and truly, you know, what's happening to us at this time is the smallest pebble of sand in the universe. And so 
you know, we need to we need to keep that in perspective sometimes and not get so hung up about things. But yeah, the eagle is one one small example. Another quick one that I would suggest is that if you're seeing a bear, the bear is reminding us about our boundaries. And the bear also is part mm. of the seven grandfather teachings. And that one's about courage or bravery. The bear is is encouraging us to be very mindful of our boundaries. And also the bear is a medicine carrier. It's traditionally an Ishnabe medicine carrier. So, you know, when we when we're having visions about bears, there's likely a spiritual role that um, that your spirit is asking you to do. And so, yeah, it's it's important. But yeah, I could go on and on and on and on. I have so many resources connected with Animal Spirit Guide. Well, maybe one time we'll have to do a workshop together, uh, like an episode about that specifically, um, because I think it's yep. fascinating too. And I think people I would, would love, love to. to hear those sort of things. I think what you're doing is a gateway to, I don't want to say pulling apart, and I don't want to say dismantling, but I want to say it's a road to a different way of conducting business, of running companies, of being in community. I think that unity, the Indigenous two-eyed seeing, Indigenous ways and modern ways, I think that if we introduced ourselves at a business event by our Indigenous name and our relationship to the land, how different things would be, how different things could be if we didn't have colonialism and capitalism. And I think what you're doing is opening people's minds to, to different ways of being together. I hope that's what I'm doing because, you know, as I've shared with you already, I went through that process through my journey and it wasn't easy, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And now I'm a witness to something very different with my children and my grandchildren because I wasn't raised with the culture or the language or the practices, but that's been changed now during my generation and absolutely the following two generations, it's been changed. So that disruption that we experienced through contact, it's shifting back ever so slowly. It's shifting back. And so, yes, I feel like, you know, coaches, guides, elders, knowledge keepers, like myself, who are open to those possibilities and not only open to them for myself, but open to share them with others, I think hopefully will, will change things and will tip the scales a little bit. And I think that's why, you know, yourself, Shauna and myself, I think that's why sometimes we experience the challenges that we experience because we're so strong in our conviction and so strong in our commitment to the universe. I first committed myself to the universe in 2003, 
And I will never forget that experience, what, what happened when I did that. And from time to time, I will recommit. But spirit knows. Spirit knows that I am, I am here to serve. I am a vessel. I'm a channel, whatever you want to say. I intend to live to be 100. I'm 62. I'll be 63 next month. <laughs> but I know I've told my family that I intend to live to be 100. <laughs> so, yeah. God willing, God willing, I will be here that long because, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm just getting started, honestly. I feel like I'm just getting ramped up and just, just getting to a place where I have that confidence and I have that spiritual authority to do the work that I'm doing. What is your advice to entrepreneurs listening who are maybe struggling with their identity, maybe struggling, thinking they have an idea and they want to strike out on their own and they're not so sure. What would you mm -hmm. say? <clears throat> I think that um, acknowledging your gratitudes is a great way to get started. And <clears throat> I mentioned earlier about journaling. I'm not as disciplined as many people to do that every day, but I do find it very helpful and very powerful. <clears throat> so that could be that could be a starting point. Offering a significant item to spirit to in whichever way feels right to you to offer that to spirit mm -hmm. and to say, you know, I'm I'm here. This I, I really want to help. What can I do to help? Can you show me that and make an offering? So whether it's a food offering, um, in our practice, we offer tobacco. Maybe in your practice, it's something else. So, you know, to do that offering and to make that commitment to spirit. If people are interested, I would be happy to have a what I would call a discovery call with you. And it's a discovery call because... It would give you a chance to get to know me and experience my energy and vice versa. It gives me a chance to experience your energy as well. And I would most likely start to receive guidance from spirit during that call. But if not, then I would let you know and, and say, well, yeah, maybe it's not a good fit, but I might have other people that I could suggest. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time. I, I've been looking for coaches for a while, and it took me a long time to find the right ones. But I think that by experiencing each other's energy is a really good way to do that. And so in my case, because I'm a visual person, it helps me to see the person speaking. Maybe in other people's case, maybe if they hear, hear my voice or hear the voice of your coach, that might be enough to uh, to give you an indication, okay, yes, I think this would be someone that could help me. And then to work together, right, to do that brainstorming, to do that debriefing of experiences, to, to share. And um, I always find it doesn't take very long to, to really start getting that important guidance and moving forward. The other thing is, is the potential entrepreneur needs to be willing and ready to do what it is that needs to be done. Many people will pray to their God for help, 
But if they're not willing to move their feet to do what is needed to be done, well, then it's kind of a wasted prayer. So we need to be ready to take action Mm. when spirit is asking us to take action. We need to be, yeah, we need to be ready to move forward. So I would ask the potential entrepreneurs, you know, do they feel ready to do that? Because once you are, all it is, it's our mindset. It's always about our mindset. It's always about what we're thinking. Because those thoughts are what generates and manifests what we're experiencing each day. Absolutely, I believe that. Thank you so much, Cindy. I can't wait to speak to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And yeah, when I do have information about the um, retreat, I'll definitely share it with you. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be the first one I've held here. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes when we have the date so people can okay, sign up. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time.